the Gubby Gubby are the traditional custodians of the lands we record this podcast on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as they hold the memories, tradition and culture of this land. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali, the podcast that tells the survival stories of blood product recipients to thank donors and to encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets or breast milk. We've had lots of new listeners to the Milkshakes for Mali community this season, so welcome to all of our new listeners. Um, Our aim for this podcast is to bridge the gap of anonymity between Australian blood donors and their recipients. So for season two, we are also telling the stories of blood donors. Milkshakes for Mali is the name of our amazing lifeblood team. It was started by donors who were inspired to donate plasma and other blood products after hearing the story of our amazing three-year-old daughter, Mali, who has seronegative autoimmune encephalitis. Mali is now six and she is considered to be in remission. However, she will be reliant on plasma infusions her whole life. Plasma infusion is life-saving when she relapses and life-preserving for every infusion in between. There is information in our show notes on how to register to donate and how to become part of the Milkshakes for Mali Lifeblood team. Today we welcome Deb, who is the mother to amazing Ryla. Ryla is many things. She's a sister to Prilia, a twin to Talon, a premature baby, a dancer, a model, a brand rep, and she also has a love of the performing arts. She has spent way too much time inside the walls of children's hospitals, and she is also a blood product recipient. Today, her mum, Deb, joins us to share Ryla's incredible story, none of it which would be possible without Australian blood donors. So, Deb, welcome to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Thank you. All right, let's dive straight in and tell me about Ryla. Um, How old is she now and what makes her smile? Ryla is 10, so she'll, uh, like most of us, try and tell you she's only nine. So she tries to cut a few years off. When you question her about it, she then jumps to 18. So <laughs> I'm a bit worried about that. <laughs> she's either wanting to be younger or older than what she actually is. Um, we've just had an amazing weekend, actually. We headed down to the Gold Coast and Ryla is, uh, did a rehearsal for um, Kids Fashion Week. And they're going to be having a fashion parade in August. And, um, yeah, she's been selected as a, a cast member in that. And that's one of her her big dreams is to, to model. She loves being on stage. There's there's absolutely been no, no – I am completely the opposite. I don't do stages. <laughs> but she loves it. She just is in her glory. And it's been really amazing to see in the last sort of – eight, nine months where since she's had an accident and um, broken a hip, how everybody has been so accommodating in her world. So she's continued to do her dance classes. She has continued to do her modelling and her acting and everything, and and that's who she is. So we couldn't be luckier. Mm, That's amazing. Um, And that leads me beautifully into the next question. That So Ryla is a twin, um, and they were born prematurely. When you had your precious twins born early, could you ever have imagined that she would be living such a big, beautiful life now? 
Well, she she nearly wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Um, we had quite uh, we had quite a journey with with, with the twins um, in gestation. So initially, um, the twins were IVF. So was my eldest daughter Prilia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took eight years before um, her journey began and then we did um, IUI which is very similar to IVF they just yeah. don't take the eggs um, and we had the twins on board everything had been going along really well and at 25 weeks had just been to one of my dearest friend's weddings and two days later at work I was having terrible pain and so checked in with the doctor and from that moment at 25 weeks it was an all-in like hang on to these kids journey so we I was hospitalised, I was in and out of um, having to have them checked all the time and, and watch what was going on. And it was at that point, um, a sonographer sort of went over and over and I could see this big black bubble in the middle of one of the baby's t- stomachs mm-hmm. and it was really daunting. And she said, did you have a, um, a, a antenatal scan with us and I'm like yes I did mm-hmm. and um, she said I need to go and see the doctor and I'm like okay yeah it was it really was and um, previously my husband with my first child had been with me for all of the appointments with our eldest daughter and this time because we thought it would be a bit of a surprise we, we I took mum and my husband was away for work so she's sitting in there and I'm looking at my poor mum's face, mm, yeah. <laughs> trying to, you know, surprise her with all of this going on. And, and she's just knowing that she has no words of support for me and I have no words of support for her. We were just sat in silence, but the silence was also comforting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we we found out that Rala had a dual deanery atresia, which... Um, meant that it's a normal process in a person's body where their stomach closes to connect to um, into the intestines there and mm-hmm. then it opens back up. Um, but Rylas didn't and so she wasn't swallowing any amniotic fluid. Right. Um, causing a lot of pressure already on larger than a normal um pregnancy because Mm -hmm. I had Taylan in there as well and I initially this pregnancy was actually triplets um, and I lost the the third one in about the between around the 12 week scan Mm -hmm. and they had predicted at 32 weeks I would have to have probably the babies um, brought on Mm -hmm. and I was a bit daunted by all of that and disappointed because we all have little birth plans too and Prillard also had to be a cesarean. Anyway, um, I had to have drains. I had to be, um, I had to endure the most horrendous procedures um, to drain fluid. Each of those, they're done very, very similarly to an amniocentesis. So high, high, high risk procedure. Um, I then um, had to have Rala through to 32 weeks and after 32 weeks her little body was going to be viable enough to be able to sustain anything that was going to happen because she was going to have to have an operation to open this because she couldn't eat or or swallow and 
The complication was I was so big, um, so pressure was on the cord. We got to 32 weeks, two days, mm. and that was our first miracle. Yeah. So um, Taylin still isn't very happy about being brought into this world early, and um, he he has his own intricacies. So as a result of, of the birth, he's um, has post-traumatic um they believe it's post-traumatic, his autism. And for wow. Ryla, she was born with Down syndrome. Um, we didn't know that she had Down syndrome when this this can be a marker, the mm-hmm. Gildena atresia, but it's not very common at all. It's it's like one in... Uh, one in the statistics I can't pull up at the moment, but um, it's very, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because she had to have that surgery, I had the children at... Um, one hospital and she was whisked off and and taken to another hospital and I didn't even get to touch her so that was really tricky Um, then when I did get um, with Taylor and I were transferred over to her um, she was she was already she'd had a surgery and she was just hooked up to all of these things and her surgery went well it was so good she was doing so well and then two weeks later she picked up a bug on the ward Mm -hmm. and that was that was the turning point so being so little being so prem having had major surgery um the bug took over her body Your twins spent around three months in a neonatal intensive care unit um, and unfortunately Riley did catch a virus during her time there which resulted in septicemia. Having an already medically complex child in an intensive care unit with a septic infection is a terror that unfortunately I can relate to because we have been through this um, and we've been Uh. through the process of saying goodbye to Marley and not expecting that she will make sunrise the next morning and we've had to do that a few times so my heart breaks for you because I know what that feels like and it's not something that a parent should ever have to go through. Um, What treatment options helped Ryla to survive that horrible time? She was filled completely um, over her whole body Mm -hmm. more than once with with other blood, with with other people's blood. She she just just had bag after bag after bag come in and be hooked up and and she had a mini bar fridge beside her and all of these cords and everything Mm. it was um I I think I was I was in survival mode so I I don't I actually rang my husband and said can you remember exactly what blood products Ryla had because (laughs) and she probably had um, multiple blood products to be honest um babies of that gestation quite often need platelets um but i could very well i was probably whole blood if they were reflushing everything through but then the intravenous immunoglobulin infusion which is plasma based is so often used with um, anyone who doesn't have a properly functioning immune system. So there's every chance that she had all of them. <laughs> I do remember platelets now that yep. you've said that. There was definitely platelets. And, yeah, there was so many things going on. I, um, It's that call that you get in the middle of the night and, and you're just not expecting it. Yeah. Um, 
and you just go into survival mode and you just put all of your energy into talking because you can't pick them up. They've got cords coming out of them everywhere. Um, and I also had another little bub with me yeah. as well. And um, you were recovering and, from and, a C-section. Uh, little one at home. So yeah. you, you, just, you just put one foot in front of the other mm. and pray for your miracle. Yeah. Yeah, and um, she rode the wings of angels and and prayer for about three days, and in in that whole time she had 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 the blood transfusions. Mm-hmm. On the second day, they actually detected the the bug, wow. which was the game changer because they had come and said to us, "We don't normally find the bug. Yeah. We don't. It, it's not normally." a really a very good outcome and we were very aware of where it could have very well headed and thankfully for us it didn't because our little sassy miss (laughs) (laughs) is is a firecracker she really is (laughs) Mm. so now quite separate to all of this ryla also has a genetic condition called trisomy 21 some of our listeners may be more familiar with it being called down syndrome um do you or ryla have a preference for the language that i use in the episode around that which way you would like me to describe it um, no, not at all. I we tend to just use T twenty one. T twenty one. When yeah. Yep. Um, Great. Or yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So you didn't know about her T twenty one before she was born, or did you have an idea once you knew that there was other complications? So when they had to do the drain, yep. Um, because they were taking amniotic fluid, uh, that's when they said to us, "Do you want to have?" Uh, this tested Mm -hmm. for any genetic um, complications and we said yes yeah that that would be fine because we weren't going to risk that earlier on when we had found out that we had a marker Mm -hmm. but um, because there was liters of fluid being drained out of me um, it also gave us we thought if it is um, a diagnosis of, of Down syndrome, then it's going to give us a little bit more time to bond with baby, connect mm-hmm. with our feelings and seek um, alternate supports yep. like through Down syndrome Queensland and things like that. So we uh, wanted to be forewarned yeah. if if she did have um, additional support needs. Mm-hmm. It didn't wasn't going to change how we felt about our beautiful girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it it was something ironically that was on my mind. And there from the day that we had the first amniocentesis, mm-hmm. um, I was made have that. I didn't want to have it. I was like, I don't care. I've got two healthy babies. I am an older mum now because I had waited so long to have my children um, and be supported through IVF. So mm-hmm. what, what I have will be my family. And yeah. um, so everything came back clear from that initial, initial amniocentesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just had this little, little 
little angel on my shoulder telling me that things might be just a little bit different with this baby, one of these babies. And it's different for both of them, actually. So, yeah. And particularly, too, after having already lost one of the triplets, you wouldn't want to add additional risk factors unless it was absolutely necessary as well. Absolutely, yep, 100%. That was, yeah, that was... It wasn't in the forefront of our mind, but because the struggle of um, having children at all um, through that, we 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 just knew that we were blessed with with mm-hmm. whatever we were going to to be bringing into this world. It was part of us. It was part of our love that the kids are, and they are you know still just one hundred percent who they are, and, yeah. and we're so proud of them. Yeah, and, um, I get that. Yeah, we were told for such yeah, a long time we wouldn't absolutely. be able to have children and went through the IVF journey as well. And um, I think our journey through infertility has made our journey through medically complex and disability parenting that little bit easier. Um, I think we're just so bloody grateful to have these kids that it's, you know, we'll just roll with whatever it looks like and it's mm-hmm. never, yeah, concerned us whatsoever. Obviously, there are some experiences that we would change for our children, but we wouldn't change who our children are in one little bit because they're the coolest, uh-huh. quirkiest characters. Um, yeah. All three of ours are on the autism spectrum. And it was interesting that you were saying about Taylor before um, with the PTSD aspect, Marley... Um, since we finished recording the first season has actually been diagnosed um, with autism as well. And we delayed oh. her um, testing for a little while. She's been showing autistic traits for quite some time, but she also got a diagnosis of PTSD from her complex medical trauma. And we wanted to make sure that we tried to separate out those two experiences a little bit because we didn't want the PTSD to look like autism or the autism to look like the PTSD. Now, With early intervention, it actually really doesn't make a huge amount of difference because she's still got all the same supports in place. Um, But, yeah, it's, yeah, fascinates me what you are, yeah, saying about your son as well and the link between the PTSD and the autism diagnosis. Oh, 100%. And and if I could change anything, Mm. it would be their birth story. It would be what happened around their birth so poor Talon um, didn't know that his womb mate was still here. He he sensed, obviously, no mm. doubt, my stress, my husband's stress. He didn't hear his older sister's voice for three, nearly four months while we were in hospital mm. um, because she, as a, a three-year-old, wasn't allowed in Niku or anywhere near um, where we were. Yeah, sure. And he was never put back beside Ryla for three months oh, wow. and I, I I was begging at, at one stage I didn't get to hold Ryla for such a long time but um yeah Taylor and I were in different hospitals and then and he was when we transferred to the same hospital um he was only in a um, special care nursery yeah right so i used to have to run between the two nurseries and i then had to um 
I was living, I was, I got a, a, an opportunity to stay at Ronald McDonald House mm -hmm. and I was able to, to stay in there to be closer to the children. But when Taylan was released, Taylan was released to come home and Ryla was still in, in NICU um, and he was released with a cough and I kept on saying there's something funny about the sound of that cough and he came home with me and that night he went blue. Mm. He actually still had, um, he still had, had stuff yeah. <laughs> burst, yeah, stuck in his throat. And so we called an ambulance and he thankfully it came loose as the ambulance, um, the paramedics arrived. And that was actually the night we got the phone call to say that Ryla wasn't going to make it through the night. Mm, okay. So I had him at the local hospital and my I had to ring my husband at home and he had to come and get me. We had to leave. He was still only, he was 34 weeks mm. at that stage. And we had to go then into the hospital. I had to leave this tiny premature baby <laughs> at the, the local hospital. It was just one of those times. Mm. So as I said to you, I, I'm not actually remembering everything that went through with the products for her. Oh, but not. yes, it's, it's certainly... Um, all of that birth story mm. for him, they believe it, the autism is trauma-related. Mm. So we, our middle guy, Campbell, is a surviving twin. So his twin brother, Benjamin, died during our pregnancy. And we had a lot of discussions with different psychologists and pediatrician and different people about how to navigate that and how much of Campbell's story to tell him because we felt thought that it was really important for him to understand his family story but we didn't want him to walk our grief path so Benjamin died during our pregnancy I carried them both to term I birthed them both um so I understand that clash of love and grief and trauma and all of those things happening in oh. the same moment um, and we got really really strong advice from every psychologist that we talked to to tell Campbell because he would always feel like there was something in his world that was missing, but he wouldn't be able to articulate what it was. And I have read quite a few journal articles and stuff of kids having adverse mental health effects into their adolescence if they are a surviving twin and they haven't been told. And it's that idea of feeling like a piece of you is missing, but not being able to articulate exactly what it is. So um, that trauma for Taylor not knowing where... Ryla was or if she was okay I just yeah my heart yeah. goes out to your whole family I can totally understand how traumatic that must be and we've had that minimized by people around us that you know they're a newborn baby how could they possibly know but our kids know <laughs> our kids yeah, absolutely know and they really do for our family it's definitely been the right thing to talk about all of the children in our family and really weave that through our family story so thank you so much yeah. for sharing that that's really beautiful yeah, now with the t21 it can yeah. really affect people in lots of different ways um what in what ways does riley need additional support to navigate life with her disability so Ryla has a visual impairment mm -hmm. uh, that she sees 
um, 6 to 36. So what you would be able to still see it at 36 metres, that, that distance for her stops at about 6 metres mm-hmm. of what we would naturally see. She has a hearing impairment, so um, her ear canals are very, very fine. Um, she wears a bone conductor hearing aid, so her the actual cochlea and everything is, is fine, but it's the sound waves getting through to the brain. Uh, so the bone conductor conducts the sound on, on the bone. She is... She has a lot of speech support because of her speech, so she doesn't hear all of those vowel sounds, etc. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't aware uh, that a lot of children with speech sounds like that have difficulty, can't pronounce R's, so I've given my my daughter a name that she can't <laughs> pronounce herself. <laughs> so she calls herself Lila. And as um, a fellow medical like... mama, I'm allowed to laugh about that with you. I'm not laughing oh, absolutely. at you. <laughs> I totally blame, understand that. Blame your parents for your name. <laughs> I have a daughter called Marley that I've spelt with the most amount of letters that you could possibly spell it with, and she has a global <laughs> developmental delay. So... <laughs> The idea of her holding a pencil and writing her name, like, I, why couldn't I have just called her Ava or something that was nice and little and short and she could spell easily? <laughs> well, Ryla, ironically, I chose Joy as her middle name because, yeah. you know, she is our Joy and always, you know, was um, and and is now and will continue to be. So she can say Joy, mm-hmm. Ryla Joy, if she turns it around the other way. So... Um, Though we all call her Ryla, she doesn't want to take on Joy as her name. She actually steals her her sister's name and calls herself Prillia. (laughs) After what she's been through, whatever works. If that's what she wants to call herself, that is absolutely fine. (laughs) It's classic. So, so, um, everybody with Down syndrome has a degree of intellectual disability as well. Right. So, Ryla is still so she's 10 Mm -hmm. um she is so able to understand everything you say and she's really witty and really funny Mm -hmm. but she finds it really difficult to articulate what she's wanting to say and um to be understood Mm -hmm. so it's really difficult uh we're looking at alternative communication devices at the moment so that she has a voice Mm -hmm. because it's really important that she has the opportunity to voice and and have the opportunity to communicate and, and socially make friends and have opinions on things and yeah. all of that. So we're looking at, into that. We've really progressed a long way with reading and writing, um, but she's always going to have that difficulty with the, the way in which she hears things. I, I did an interesting um, in service a few years ago with the hearing AVTs through Education Queensland Mm -hmm. and they have um, like a tutorial where you can hear what someone like Ryla is hearing and it was amazing. I thought I was underwater Mm -hmm. and we had to do little quizzes. Um, We had to listen to names of animals and then listen to names of fruit and try and work out what was being said. And I, you know, I said pineapple for banana and, you know, just like those two do not link at all and that's her world. So she's missing all of these sounds and 
clear connections, but um, she tries so hard and, you know, you can't, you can't um, stop for a moment with Ryla and not see that she's looking and scanning for how she can help you understand. So she's the greatest at charades. What do you wish that our listeners knew about T21 or Down syndrome um, that you wouldn't have known before you were a parent to Ryla? Oh, it's the greatest blessing. You just don't know how lucky you will be. She is the most loving child. She is the most aware child. Um... We've spoken a lot about um, Taylor as well with his autism and this morning he was having a really difficult morning and she is pulling strategies <laughs> out of her hat mm. and saying, you know, smell the flower, blow out the candle, breathe. And, and you know, she's just so perceptive. Um, she's in tune to Talon, um, which obviously a a lot of twins are in in their own sort of way. But her sister is, um, her sister aspires to be an OT because of Ryla. How cool. Um, yeah, because she's, she's seen, um, the difference that, you know, um, therapies and stuff make, but she's also just wants to help Ryla. So those two girls have their own completely different language. Mm. Um, they just get each other at a completely different level. But Ryla just brings everything into this house. So one of her greatest, um, one of her, I'd, I'd say it maybe it would be a goal, but she sees herself, we've brought Ryla up the same as the other two children, um, as as normal (laughs) we are all normal we are all of our intricacies we say um and she she wants to grow up she wants to have children she wants to get married and if there's anything that she loves to see more it's a movie kiss in a movie um (laughs) or mum and dad having a hug and she'll like if things are you know busy and whatever she's just like oi hey, hey 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 come back here you two kiss and she'll just bring us all together and it's so amazing that one person can have so many positive influences on Mm. on so many people around her Um, she sounds remarkable yeah she is she's been um so Ryla's in a wheelchair at the moment she broke a hip and uh, we've just been in for another infusion in hospital uh, last week and while we're sitting in there she had um been looking the night before my Aprilia's photo albums and yeah. she says my story my story I want to tell my story from when I was a baby and about my hip so on her little Instagram page we've started writing stories together so that she can share with other kids that might need a bit of a social story about having an x-ray or having yeah. blood tests or having an x-ray oh I just said that oh um um going to hospital 
any of those sorts of things. So she's wanting to tell her story, like in a photo album. So Prilly is is old school, you know, yeah. the paper photo albums. Yeah. <laughs> the kids of uh, the twins are in the digital age, and three say, years later, and don't have any photos. As we do for our first kids. <laughs> My first kids got a beautiful photo album as well, and the second one, I think, I bought a photo album for, and there's a few photos in there, but no writing or anything. Marley yeah. is all digital. There's nothing that's in a photo album for her. <laughs> So that's how we've just started this little digital storytelling on her her Instagram at the moment. So yeah. it's yeah, it's everyone has this story, and I think the way Ryla tells her story is inspiring for other kids. Yeah, and I, I will I'll give you a little side note as well. When I had Ryla, I was given a brochure from Down Syndrome Queensland and I opened it and I closed it because that was not the perception I had of my child. It was so outdated Mm -hmm. and I vowed to myself that I would work with Down Syndrome Queensland and I would change the face (laughs) Uh, and the the brochures and I did. I worked with the Down Syndrome Queensland for six years. I've only been uh, about 12 months I haven't been there. Mm -hmm. I still have great connections and everything else because I just feel that the opportunity for working with 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 these guys made me um so much more aware and in touch with myself mm-hmm. and who I am and where I was supposed to be heading on this journey as well. Mm-hmm. So Ryla's made huge impacts on us. That's amazing. And that's part of the reason I asked you that question as well about what do you wish our listeners knew about it because uh, Thomas and Campbell weren't delayed, uh, weren't diagnosed with autism until they were nine and seven. And now that I understand the full autism spectrum, I understand how beautifully autistic my children are. But I had such a stereotypical understanding of what autism looked like that my children didn't fit into that stereotypical box of what I thought that it would look like. And the way that I would explain what my family looks like with three kids on the spectrum is very different to what I might have read previously or I'd seen, you know, in popular culture representations of what autism was. So I always like to ask families what they wish that other people knew, you know, about the condition, illness, injury, disability, whatever it is that their child has and how they experience it. So you can hear it from that really authentic perspective. And Ryla just seems like a kid that I just want to hang out with. She just seems like the most beautiful, (laughs) joyous, gorgeous thing in the whole world. (laughs) And having looked at your Instagram feed, she can certainly rock it as well. So um, I'll make sure I pop a link to that um, Instagram stuff in the show notes and particularly if anyone's interested in those social stories because they can be so helpful um, for kids with and without disabilities just going into hospitals and medical settings where it's not a familiar environment for your child. So, um, yeah, I'll make sure I pop a link in the show notes. Um, what does a week in Ryla's life look like now? At the moment, <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's not quite what it was, yeah. and we do hope to get back to where we were. Mm. But currently, because because uh, I hold a lot of guilt. Um, 
going back to where Ryla has not got the communication skills, going back to where she has an intellectual disability, mm-hmm. going back and on to sort of what you were saying about parents sometimes needing social stories to support their children with the journey that they've got. Yeah. When Ryla hurt herself at the gym with her hip, I took her to three, three times we presented in hospital. And... I know that I am her voice and I am her advocate and I tried so hard. I knew that there was something seriously wrong with her, um, but no one listened. And I, in fact, also called Ryan's rule. Um, But she was left nearly a month and the bone died in her hip. So she has necrosis of the femoral head. So we have, and that's also why she wants to tell her story because she has a really big story and she uses her Instagram all the time to show people photos. Mm -hmm. And she was wanting to explain the actual bone. So she's just had a bone graft done. So initially the first operation was um, pinning. Mm-hmm. And then six months later now, we've just had a bone grafting. And that is mind-boggling to see this just this missing piece of bone of 10, 15 centimetres long out of the bottom of a leg, which has gone into a hip. Yeah. Um, so our journey is um, at the moment a lot of hydrotherapy mm-hmm. to try and get her walking again. She's only allowed to walk or wait there in the water. Right. She's not allowed on land. Um, she is still, she's trying to grapple with where she fits still with ballet, which was one of her first loves. And uh, she was doing ballet, she was doing acro, she was doing musical theatre and drama. And that's, that's all really shifted for her, though she's trying to do it in the wheelchair and though where she is with her classes um the the dance studio is amazing and there's again photos there of how she was included in her concert last year so um we sometimes get to ballet but it's really challenging so she's in a place mentally where we're trying to keep her moving through she loves the pool um so this afternoon she's off to physio and then she's off to a speech session after school Mm -hmm. um tomorrow is hydro session um thursday is ot session and friday should be dance but sometimes we're not getting there we are looking at replacing the dance with a um all abilities cheer group oh yeah that'd be amazing Um, yeah, so we're looking at doing that and, and also where she does her physiotherapy this afternoon, they have a wheelchair dance group. So cool. she's been doing that as well. Yeah. So she's a very busy girl. She is a very busy girl. <laughs> and of course rehearsals for for fashion week and, and um shows and boot camps and stuff as well with all the modeling. She she that's where she loves spending her extra time too. And such a beautiful time if she has to be in a wheelchair. It's a great time to be doing the fashion week thing and being in a wheelchair after the incredible um, modeling that was done during Australian Fashion Week of people in wheelchairs and people with various disabilities and the way that clothes can be made to still be fashionable and fashion forward but to be able to accommodate additional needs as well so 
it's a beautiful time for her to be involved in that and to make such a big difference for other people who are wheelchair users to be able to experience fashion and expression in that way as well. Absolutely. And she's always just rocked it on the runway. It's, um, she initially did a Target catalogue and that's when we first went, oh, my goodness, this child really likes the camera. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was that that flowed on from, from the brochure work I was doing with Down Syndrome Queensland. Mm. So she'd been spotted in that and then we did some Target catalogues and then... Um, her first runway experience was um, Catwalk for Kids and it was, it's in Queensland. It's a charity um, fundraiser as well and that's where she, she first got on the runway and um, it, it was graced with all sorts of children with all sorts of support needs and all sorts of norms and, and everything else. So. We um, found a beautiful designer who also had a son with autism and she had um, all three of my children do a photo shoot and she made, she got tail into promise um, to to go along the catwalk with Ryla the following year in her, her, um, in her wares and he did it. So it was, it's not just, um, again, as I said, with Ryla, she brings this journey for all of us. Mm. So she helps Taylor step out of his, his shell where he finds those social, those noises and all of that sensory stuff overwhelming. And she's like, no, come on, come on, let's go do this. (laughs) We're doing a photo shoot now. So yeah, it's, it's it's really wonderful. It's it's so exciting to see um, the face of of beauty changing oh, and being more yeah. inclusive. Yeah. And, and even look at the amazing Dylan. I mean, yeah. our Australian of the Year. What an ambassador! And you know something something that I see through having him there, and something that I've also learnt with how I advocate um, on Ryla's Instagram page is we we've got we've come so far Absolutely. with all of our inclusive um, inclusive inclusions with schools with everything, but we've still got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just even the lips to. Um, get Ryla up in in, um, in the wheelchair, in the gutter. Some of them, they're too steep, so yes. you flick her out of the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, you know, um, there's wheelchair or, or parking accessibility for people with um, wheelchair um, permits and stuff like that. They're on huge slants, so you can't get the person out of the car mm. or the, the people don't have permits and they park in the spaces and they don't need to and you've got to then park miles away and you come back and someone's parked beside you and you can't get your child into the car. Um, You know, those sorts of things. Until you've got somebody with that particular disability, you have no idea the impacts of of so many things so we we have certainly found though we've become much more um open to inclusion we are still quite an inaccessible world for people with 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 chairs and um, physical disabilities yeah to close us out um without blood donors ryla would likely have lost her life in that neonatal intensive care unit Um, And after everything that we've talked about in this episode today, the world wouldn't be 
as beautiful a place as it is without Riley in it. And I really hope that I get to meet her one day because this episode has just filled me with so much joy. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, what message do you have for the donors um, that provided the blood product to keep her alive and for anyone who's considering donating in the future? Give blood. Just give blood. I, I've got to say, I lost my dad um, 13 years ago and dad wouldn't have had either the opportunities that he had without blood and we know we wouldn't have had Ryla without blood. My husband and I met in the UK um, 20 something years ago when mad cow was going around, um, mad cow's disease and it has finally been lifted. It has. And we, it has, we can actually give blood. Mm. So my message out there to many, many other like-minded people that travelled the world before they've had families and now have been thinking that they can't give blood because um, there's been a blanket ban on anyone that um, lived in the UK or went to the UK during that time, we can now give blood. So it's very exciting. So yeah. there's, there should be no reason that people can't roll up their sleeves because no it changes lives, it sad. saves lives, yeah. and it's so important. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough people donating. Yeah, and I'll pop a link to that um, updated information on the UK travel in our show notes as well so people can go in there um, and there's a little quiz that you can do and so that you can validate the fact that you are now, in fact, eligible to give blood Um, and that you can help keep families together like our families. Thank you so much for the chat today, Deb. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, likewise. It's been wonderful talking to you. I just want to thank Deb for her openness and vulnerability in this episode. Um, I really enjoyed her chat and I asked her to be on the podcast as I could see the incredible work that Ryler is doing in changing the way that disability is represented in popular culture. I have so much admiration for that and I'm so grateful for the change makers that open up the world of possibilities for our beautiful children who all live with various physical and neurodevelopmental disabilities. If you liked today's episode, I suggest that you scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to the episode that I did with Lisa Cox last season. It covered many of the same themes, but from the perspective of an adult experience. Lisa was incredible at Australian Fashion Week this year and I'm so grateful that my children will be able to experience fashion as a form of self-expression in a way that society and popular culture may not have supported a decade ago. Nothing feels more Australian like the modern demonstration of mateship than donating blood or breast milk and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This podcast is written and presented by me, Kate Fisher, with audio production and Welcome to Country by my awesome husband and Marley's dad, Jeff. If you've ever been a blood donor, you could have been the one to save the life of the guests that we profile here each week on the Milkshakes for Marley podcast. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. To make an appointment to donate plasma and other blood products in Australia, call 13 14 95. And we would love it if you could add your donation to the Milkshakes for Marley Lifeblood Team Tally. And I'll pop some information on that in the show notes. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Milkshakes for Mali. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, follow, rate, review, follow us on socials, share an episode with a friend. 
Um, we've had the most beautiful response to season two and it's so exciting to see this project gaining more momentum and seeing more bums in chairs um, doing blood donation and just to be able to say thank you to all of the donors that have kept our family together. And as always, I will leave the final word to Marley. Thank you for my prisma.